0: Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Immaculate Heart Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ. Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick.
1: And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today are two gentlemen from Catholic Relief Services who are going to talk to us a little bit about some very important programs that bring relief to people who are very much in need. So welcome to our program, Doug Ryan and Paul Hicks. And Paul, if you'd be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer, I think we would all be appreciative.
2: Great. Thank you. Father, thank you for giving us this time to spend together and talk about the good work that the Catholic Church is doing here in the U.S. and and overseas. And um, pray that we open our hearts and our minds to understand how we can be a part of our work to alleviate poverty for the people who are suffering overseas. Pray this in your name, amen,
1: amen. And Paul is actually not local here right now. You're actually
2: stationed uh, pretty far away from Orange County. Where are you at? Actually, originally, I'm from Southern California, grew up in san diego and and went to college in Santa Barbara. But for the last eight years, I've been based in San Salvador in El Salvador in Central America,
1: okay. And then, Doug, you've also been involved with Catholic Relief Services for quite some time, and you've also served overseas, though right now
3: you're no longer overseas. Where are you? So I'm located in Southern California at the moment, and um, prior to that did spend uh, 20, 21 years overseas with CRS in various parts uh, of the world. So you're very familiar with some of the stuff that Paul is doing right now. Yeah. In fact, Paul and I worked together very closely in the Philippines and then in other parts of the world uh, when I was overseas. And as you can see, continue to work together now that he's uh, back in Southern California. All right. Very good. Well, let's get to
1: it then. Tell us just a little bit. What is Catholic Relief Services? I know that most of our parishioners uh, around the diocese know what Caritas is, but what
3: is Catholic Relief Services? Well, Catholic Relief Services or, or CRS, if we can use that, was founded by the bishops uh, during World War II, and they felt a call to take care of widows and orphans. As time went on, there was uh, a broader recognition that, the, that poverty was, was everywhere. The need was acute in some parts of the world, and bishops in local areas talked to the bishops here in the U.S., and we began to expand our program throughout the world and to move into different areas of, of programming. Uh, some of the things we'll talk about today. We are almost 75 years old. We're 74 years old as we speak, so next year is a big year for us. We are in about 121 countries. As we speak, 112 countries, I should say. There are about 5,000 of us in CRS. The vast majority of those are national staff in the countries that we work in. And I should mention, we work everywhere that we work, we work at the pleasure of the local bishops' conference. They invite us in. And we serve at their pleasure and uh, have a very close relationship with them, actually, um, on the ground. It's it's a big part of who we are is to be a partner with the church around the world. In the countries that we're working in, uh, spread across them, there are about 4,500 people who are not U.S. Uh, citizens but are national, what we would call national staff or workers. We are a pretty big operation we serve about 121 million people around the world. Wow. So we have That's a, a lot a, of people. A good reach. We have always kind of operated on the idea that there's a mandate to serve as many of the poor as we possibly can and of course to be good stewards of the of the resources that we have to do that. Over time, you know, we've grown and and have have developed that kind of reach. And then Paul,
1: you're currently in Central America as your permanent base. What do you do there for Catholic Relief Services?
2: What's your job? So I'm a technical advisor in water, water supply, uh, protecting water resources, and I support CRS's country programs throughout Central America in Mexico and the Caribbean and and South America. So I travel uh, meeting with our staff and meeting with the partners that we work with on the ground, helping to make our programs uh, as effective and as impactful as possible. So what kinds of things is
1: CRS involved with where you are?
2: Primarily, you know, or what we're best known for is our ability to respond to disasters and emergencies very quickly and very effectively. So a lot of the work that I do is working with our teams when there are earthquakes or there are hurricanes or there are ty- typhoons Uh, CRS mobilizes to provide relief and assistance to people uh, who need it, um, whether they're in their homes or they're in refugee camps or they're in shelters. So a lot of what we do is provide those services to extend water and sanitation to the people in need, and that's part of what myself and and our teams do. Beyond that, the immediate assistance that we provide people is we work with uh, rural and urban communities to help improve access to water supply and improve people's access to sanitation uh, in different ways, but mainly improving people's water systems. Another component to that work is helping to ensure that people have access to safe water. In the country I live in, in El Salvador, 90% of the water is contaminated um, from one reason or another. So we work with local communities, local governments, to do what we can to protect and improve the, that water so that people have access to safe water, they stay healthy, and they can, can improve their, their social and economic condition.
1: So in El Salvador, you have Managua, a big city with lots of people that are in it, and then you've got a lot of countryside with a lot of very poor villages that are out there. What's the kind of a project that you might take on in order to improve the lives of a local village?
2: So in the capital of, of of El Salvador, San Salvador, San Salvador, um, and these these small urban areas, Managuas and Nicaragua, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so small uh, urban communities and rural communities that we work in, primarily what you'd be looking at is the same kind of water system that you would see in Southern California. So we so we uh, we're putting in wells or we're collecting water in small streams, and we use pipes to divert that water into water tanks. And then those water tanks, we have pipelines that come from those water tanks and deliver uh, water to people's households. So the the goal is uh, for households to have that water, ideally uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in their pipes and, and have that water uh, safe. If you weren't there, how were they getting their
1: water? What was the problem that you were identifying that you felt really needed to have the church get involved?
2: I'll tell you two examples of of, of what we face. One in uh, a few years ago, I was in Haiti, and we were working with uh, some very remote uh, rural communities who had been devastated by a, um, a storm that had come through there. And we were up, you know, visiting the communities and looking at their water systems and and figuring out what what could be done to improve. And we came across a house where uh, there was a, a woman. She looked like she was about seventy years old, and she was stooped over and scooping water out of a tiny little spring. On a hillside, and she was scooping that water into a plastic bucket. and this is the way that she gets water three times a day. She scoops that water, she puts it into the bucket, and she walks a couple hundred yards to her house. So that's her reality. That's how she gets water when we're not able to intervene and and, and help that solve that issue. The second one is something is is an example of thirty miles from my house in San Salvador in a in a rural coffee growing community. Two girls, one about 10 years old and another about four years old. And they are walking with a bucket of water. The the 10-year-old girl is walking with a bucket of water on her head. She's holding the bucket with one hand, and she's holding the hand of her little sister with the other. Um, And she has to walk 10 to 15 minutes from her home down to a spring to fill that bucket. And then she brings that bucket home. So this is what she's doing three times a day to bring water so that they've got water for cooking and drinking and other needs in the home. This, when I was there um, recently, this is 10 o'clock a.m. on a Tuesday. And obviously this 10-year-old girl uh, should be in school at that point. And that four-year-old girl ideally would be in a, in a preschool or something. But these two girls, this is what they do. This is how they're helping their family. Um, and the family needs it. And obviously it's, it's, it's important for the family. But what it's costing is an education and a bright future for these two girls.
3: Could I just add to what Paul is saying? Sometimes what what is needed and what we would bring are resources that would be very difficult to raise uh, in some of these local communities. I, I remember walking with a water engineer for a long, long time <laughs> into an indigenous community way up in the hills in Guatemala, and they had the they had the spring they had the sweat equity to do it the community was going to build the system uh something we emphasize CRS doesn't build these systems the communities build them what they needed was really the tubing and the the piping and the the uh, the fitting and a little bit of the engineering um design of it but other than that they could build it themselves and they would do it themselves so resources are are a big thing that we are able to bring to the table
1: so You guys are in the process of really transforming lives, not just bringing fresh water. I want to make sure our listening audience knows what we're talking about. This is Doug Ryan and Paul Hicks from Catholic Relief Services, and we're talking about how Catholic Relief Services very specifically improves the lives of some very needy people around the world. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more, not just about what you're doing now, but some of the things we talked about at break That you had done in the past, I think our listening audience will find very interesting. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me are Doug Ryan and Paul Hicks of Catholic Relief Services. We're talking about how Catholic Relief Services improves the lives of people, and we will be right back.
0: Now on DVD and digital download, a story about finding truth, meaning, and beauty in the last place they expected. I can't become Catholic. What, am I insane? There's no way. A film to encourage your faith and help you reach out to others. I thought, this is just nonsense. These people are crazy. Atheism is much more rational. Convinced, featuring over 20 of today's most interesting and articulate Catholic voices, including Jennifer Fulweiler, Scott Hahn, Abby Johnson, and Patrick Madrid. Get convinced now at convincedmovie.com.
1: Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, on the campus of Christ Cathedral, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today from Catholic Relief Services are Paul Hicks and Doug Ryan, and we're talking about some things that a lot of us in Southern California really take for granted. Now, we went through a time period here of which we're really still in. It's a chronic problem in Southern California of having what we call drought. But we can still turn on our faucets and get water, and we can still turn on the shower and get water, and we can still water our grass, at least now that it's legal again, and we can do things with water that we don't even pay attention to. And the people that we're talking about, the Catholic Relief Services impacts, are people who do not have that kind of a reality that we take for granted here in Southern California. Is that a fair assessment for what the reality is for the people you help?
2: Absolutely, I would look particularly at, at women and girls, whose days are uh, basically start you know early in the morning, uh, oftentimes before the sun comes up, and the first activities are get the water, get it into the house, uh, boil it up, uh, so that the family has breakfast and coffee and and can get their their day started. Um, it's often uh, very little water and amazingly. Uh, Little amount of water that would surprise us on on how they're able to to take care of all these these needs with you know a bucket of water. What we're working for uh, and working with these communities to do is to ensure the the type of water services that we take for granted, um, water and pipes that they can turn on the valve and and be able to use the bathroom, take a shower, cook the food without having to worry about how safe is that water and is there enough for the for everybody in the household.
3: You know, as we speak, there's a drama unfolding in the Horn of Africa with the the drought and uh, the consequent food crisis that's, that's been happening. We have thousands of people on the move um, from southern Sudan into northern Uganda, for example, uh, even today, and it is in search of water. And so CRS is accompanying these groups and these people in the camps and drilling in South Sudan the wells that... that Paul has talked about so that really life can be sustained. So it can be very dramatic in uh, certain parts of the world. And we're living kind of one of those moments right now. What kinds of partnerships do you have
1: with the people that you're working with? Because I'm sure CRS, you mentioned that you go into diocese at the pleasure of the bishop or at the pleasure of the bishops councils for the different areas. But you're not alone in this. So the money that's given to CRS, and this isn't an infomercial for everyone to to give you guys lots of money, but at the end of here I want you to be able to make sure you've made a pitch because there's money that you can get out there, I'm I'm hoping. But you're also working in partnerships in order to make sure that uh, there's an effective bang for the buck. How do you work in partnerships with people, say, where you are in El Salvador or where you've been in times past?
2: Our primary partner, wherever we work, is working with, at uh, the Catholic Church at the diocesan level with Caritas Organizations. And the Caritas Organizations are very similar to what we have here at Catholic Charities. Mm-hmm. They're um, professional development organizations, and we're working with them to design and implement these programs. What I find what, what, what's unique and powerful about Catholic Relief Services and our partners is that we are the church. When a disaster happens, when an emergency happens... We have a network like no other. We know within minutes or hours when a disaster happens, what's happened on the ground because of the network of, of Catholic parishes, the diocese, and what's needed and, and what would be the best way to respond, which makes Catholic Relief Services one of the most effective disaster relief organizations in the world. So primarily that's, that's the partner. Beyond that, we're working with community organizations, uh, community water boards, very similar to the types of, of uh, small municipal water boards or water utilities that we have in California, uh, which are organizations that are uh, formed and elected at the local level to take care of their water systems. So we're working with them to help build up their skills, their capacity to be able to manage their, their water systems, to collect monthly fees from the households who are using that water, so that they're able to maintain and, and, and operate their water systems. And then we also work with the local governments, municipal governments, uh, to uh, to help organize the work, and most often asking the municipal governments and the national governments in these countries to help co-invest and co-finance the kinds of projects that we're doing, helping to extend what we're able to do by using resources from from multiple actors, and then trying to keep, Uh, these systems running sustainably for for the long run by getting technical assistance from a a wide range of actors.
1: So what I'm hearing you say, if I can kind of summarize it down in a nutshell, is you're primarily involved on the ground at the local level. Uh, You are um, working in concert and permission at, at the higher levels. But your expertise is really working with those local um, villages and those local areas in order to empower them so that they do this themselves. You give them a little technical training or a little technical help and you get them the piping and they do the sweat equity and they improve their lives and they create a better environment for them to live in so that their home in El Salvador w- or wherever it may be around the world is a better place to live.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, we say our goal, our ultimate goal is that these communities are able to manage their own water systems effectively. And if we can get there, we've made big strides in terms of local empowerment, of uh, local people to be able to manage their resources on their own for this, for this to be sustainable and, and, and there for the long run. And very much, you know, as you're saying, we, when we talk about migration, you know, there's you know, a lot of what we're doing is, is trying to build uh, healthy communities, vibrant communities, help uh, stimulate social and economic development, so people have a reason to stay where they are so that they can have a vision for them succeeding and growing and improving their lives where they are. When you're living in, in dire poverty, when you when you don't have water, when you don't have those basic services, it's pretty easy to start thinking about there's, the grass is greener somewhere else. And obviously, you know, we have those resources. We have those services. We have these opportunities in the U.S. And that's very well known to people living in Central America. So a lot of that draw, you know, to to go north is those basic services and those opportunities. So this is what we're trying to do is work with uh, communities, working with the society to create an environment where people want to live and create their futures.
1: It's a very apropos statement you just made. We just came out of an election cycle that had a lot of focus for good or for ill on the immigration policies of the United States. I know that our Holy Father was a little critical of some of the ideas that now President Trump has about building the wall. But what you're saying is we're not focusing from a Catholic Relief Services perspective. We're not focusing on the right way to to handle migration. The key even there is to make it so that people want to stay and improve their lives. And Catholic Relief Services is a very direct way of
2: helping to do that? Absolutely and, and, and that and a lot of the work that we do is in coordination with the US government. Uh, assistance that the US government provides overseas is so fundamental to, to people being able to improve the societies where they live. US government puts less than one percent of our national budget goes into the kinds of development assistance that we that's so needed overseas. That less than one of, percent of our of our national budget, is some of the resources that help us combine and, and and amplify what we're able to do with our resources from uh, Catholics in the U.S.
3: Most people I talk to, and it's, it runs across all kinds of uh, political spectrum, there are two things that kind of identify them. One is is this kind of American sense of fairness, and the other is this strong sense of family. And the work of Catholic Relief Services resonates with those two ideas overseas people overseas don't want to break up their family and 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 have to leave for some place where they think maybe the grass is greener people would really like to improve their lives where they are and a lot of that is rooted in their their sense of family and their sense of belonging uh in in their place of origin so some of the work that we do uh, allows people to uh have an opportunity to succeed which is part of our fairness and opportunity to keep their families intact, which is something everybody wants, wants to see.
1: It's the, we're talking about the dignity of the human being and that human dignity is a key and essential part of being Catholic. We're about love. Yes. And this is a tangible way of expressing that love to be able to empower the direct improvement of life so that there's real, there's real improvement. We're not just talking about increasing a luxury, like adding a filter to our refrigerator mm-hmm. so the water that comes out is both cold and, and, and filtered. We're talking about actually getting water into the house so your little girls don't have to walk three, four times a day up the hill to get the water, bring it down with little sister.
2: That's absolutely right. And you know, sometimes we think you know, we want to help every little girl or we want to help every family. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we have to understand is when we're talking about a community water system, we're working with, working with all, a whole community or maybe multiple communities together that share the same well or they share the same spring, and they need to come together, work together, invest together to be able to build that system and be able to manage it together. So we're helping families and, and improving dignity at that level, but it's also about community development, um, bringing relationships and, and resolving a lot of conflicts that can be out there around water.
1: We talked a little bit before uh, we got on the air about some real direct ways that this actually, in some surprising ways that this improves the lives of people. When we come back, I want us to go a little bit into that. Uh, You mentioned a couple of things when you were in Afghanistan that really made an impact on people's lives. So you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick with Doug and Paul from Catholic Relief Services, and we will be right back.
0: Would you like an opportunity to read and discuss inspiring books by bright Catholic authors? The OC Catholic Book Club offers quarterly book titles reviewed and chosen by Bishop Kevin Van. Every three months, members gather to meet the author and hear informed commentary about the book by local church scholars. Membership in the OC Catholic Book Club includes four books and tickets to the author forums. For more information, visit OCCatholic.com slash OC Dash Catholic dash book dash club or call 714-282-3045.
1: welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you through the good offices of Immaculate Heart Radio. And we're here today talking with Doug Ryan and Paul Hicks from Catholic Relief Services. And we've been talking specifically about uh, water reclamation and water enhancement and programs that empower people in villages to get running water for the first time into the houses that they live in. Um, but there are a number of things. That you guys, you've been doing this for a number of years. We were talking uh, before. Before the radio show started, you both have been involved uh, in each other's programs. You've been involved with Catholic Relief Services for quite some time. And you were talking, Paul, about uh, your experience when you were in Afghanistan with CRS and some of the things that you were doing there that had some direct impact. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing and what improvements in the lives of the people that you saw.
2: I first went to Afghanistan for CRS. In 2002, just after the U.S. invasion following the the attacks on 9-11, what uh, struck me in Afghanistan was just a a depth of poverty that I had never seen before in terms of people just – what they didn't have in terms of running water, in terms of homes, in terms of no schools, no education for children, particularly girls. And so the the depth of poverty there was – struck me so deep that I I wanted to come back and I I ended up spending – A total of five years working in afghanistan Wow! what specifically did you do
1: in afghanistan in order to try to help empower these people in such devastating poverty
2: in in the same way that that we're working in in other parts of the world it's it's working with local communities it's helping we're working that they um analyze their their own situation their own problems and then we work with them to help come up with those solutions and then we're using a combination of 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 our own resources and money as CRS with uh, resources um, from the U.S. government to help those communities implement their solutions. And, and specifically the, the projects that, that I was working on there was uh, irrigation projects to improve uh, uh, agricultural productivity and improve rural households' incomes. And we also worked on water supply, mm-hmm. uh, drinking water supplies, in the same way that, that we were talking about in, in Central America Sanitation, um, helping people understand the value and the importance of sanitation. One of the core things, as as people know that that you know, being a woman or being a girl in Afghanistan can be particularly challenging. And so, one of you know the types of programs that we were emphasizing around sanitation was just having a place where women and girls could bathe in private, uh, out of view of anybody else. Having uh, having a dignified toilet, having a place that was uh, proper, clean. Uh, hygienic uh, and and to to, to bathe and and use the toilet. So I go back to
1: the little bit of a conversation we had a couple of sessions ago where we were talking about what we take for granted here. And one, of course, is we have showers in our bathrooms with our doors closed and it's private and it's our own and we can do it any time we want to. In places that do not have running water in houses, there's a communal area there. And then Afghanistan, because of its local culture and some of its religious values in that culture, there are some, some extra difficulties if you happen to be female, and it can, it can strangle your ability to do things in life. How did you encounter that, and what did you see as some of the results?
2: Well, one, one thing I would highlight is the incredible strength and resiliency of the women in Afghanistan that we worked with, um, how they're able to survive and then in many cases thrive in an incredibly um, difficult environment and culture. You know, a lot of the work that we that and more and more of the work that we're doing in afghanistan is helping rural education for girls and so we're we're working with communities that are offering up their homes that become schools for girls and so we we, we work to train uh, a local teacher over a long period of time building up the skills of local teachers to provide education to, to small girls and in that is is they the also looking at the, the the ideas of access to water and sanitation and just being able to create safe places for girls uh, to grow up in well let's
1: take that link for a moment in a village that that doesn't have running water coming to the homes the girls really can't go for an education why
2: well obviously without without water you, you can't do anything I mean you can't with it, it you can't survive without water and it's certainly hard to to have uh, a functioning e- economy it's hard to uh, have any kind of business or or a school without running water so oftentimes wherever we're working we will be doing parallel to the c- kinds of programs that we do with health or education we will we'll also be uh, working with those communities in water and sanitation
3: i think one of the trademarks of CRS is is a kind of a practical um, mindset we are in places we see things we talk to our local partners And we try to solve problems around them. When I was in a a country in Central America years ago, uh, we were noticing that girls were reaching a certain age and they weren't going to school anymore. And sort of asking, why is that? And uh, it had to do with these issues of safety and privacy. When you build separate latrines in in a safe area that work, suddenly girls started to trickle back in to the school system. So um there there are a number of things that we do that don't sound terribly interesting like building toilets or doing hygiene but they actually have a great deal to do with someone's uh ability to, to succeed. So a
1: 12-year-old girl who's probably started menses or is ready to is going to end up spending her time helping to take care of little brother and get water three times a day. And then stay clear of any place until nightfall to be able to, yeah. to take care of her sanitation right. needs. Whereas if the village has running water and clear latrines that are, that are set up to be both sanitary and safe and private, then she can be empowered to not only not have to go get that water all the time, but it's safe for her with her modesty to go to school. And when I say with her modesty, I mean, I was talking with Jim, our technical director, before. He's done a lot of relief work uh, with other organizations as well. Uh, You'd walk through villages, and there would be someone that is showering right there because there is no Mm -hmm. safe place Mm -hmm. to do it privately. There are certain cultures, like you were talking about in Afghanistan, women can't do that, and they won't. You were saying before that there are some issues that just having running water solves people in places like
2: renting water a latrine or a bathroom or you know some a shelter that i worked in places where essentially women use the bathroom at night because that's the the one time where they can't be seen so so really it's shifting a focus when we're talking about is is how are we resolving the issues around girls and women and um, when you focus on that it becomes catalytic you know um, helping women and girls thrive helps the families and helps the communities so this is you know one thing that we that we learn is right from the start when we're designing these kinds of programs really understanding the particular needs of women and girls and designing our projects to address those it's another
3: another really basic basic thing very practical thing if you want women to participate on committees and be part of community life to be on a water board in a in a small town if you hold the meetings at night they can't walk home alone so we were finding that women weren't on the committees, but nobody was telling us sort of why that was. And it was that simple that if you had a, um, a basically a posse of people that would accompany the women women home to their homes at night, you could still have your meetings at night, but women would be protected and would be safe. So it, it sometimes comes down to very, very small things that are are pivotal in the success of these programs.
1: I, I find it amazing. I, I'm a father that has three daughters, who are from young teen to late teen, and we're thinking in terms of colleges and we're thinking in terms of uh, what their lives are going to be like. And if I were, instead of living here in Southern California, living in parts of El Salvador or in Afghanistan, I would probably be thinking in terms of how can I safeguard my daughter from Mm -hmm. being uh, assaulted or just to empower her to be able to get to school so she can finish high school or even start high school because those simple needs of privacy are not being met if there's no running water to the village.
2: And you hit on it. I mean, if in, in almost every country I've worked in, I've worked in half a dozen countries in different parts of the world. And almost in, in, in all cases, if you ask people what are their priorities, you know, we, we are all more alike than we are different. And and parents will tell you health, education. And water, and that's what they're looking for. That's what they're looking for for their families, for their for their children, and so a lot of that is, you know, um, with seventy years' experience, you know, we're looking at how do we do this in the best way possible, um, and you know, when we talk about what we've learned and and the solutions we come up with, we're able to do that because the vast majority of our staff are people from those countries, and these are professionals who've been doing this as careers, and and we're constantly. Working together, analyzing, discussing, how can we be more and more effective?
1: That's one of the things that I really, it really struck me is that you're not a group that just kind of flies into an organization, sets up shop, solves their problem, and flies out. <laughs> you, you've got a home base there made up of those people, the people that are there on the ground who live there, yeah. who, have, who then
3: not only enjoy the benefits, but they're the ones who are actually running the program. People have told me in the church uh, down through the years – It is not the money, it's the presence. It's knowing that the American Catholic community is with us and stands with us in a time of crisis. It's a a great privilege to be in a situation Paul and I have been in to work for an agency that is able to act in the name of of good people in the the United States and and the Catholic community uh, in particular. But many, many times people have said it. It is just your being with us that has meant the world to
1: us. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Doug Ryan and Paul Hicks from Catholic Relief Services. We're talking about how the Catholic Church through Catholic Relief Services helps many people throughout the world, and we'll continue that when we come right back.
0: The Diocese of Orange is partnered with local travel company, Travel of Orange, to assist in organizing and facilitating pilgrimages to Catholic shrines, churches, and inspiring destinations worldwide. Find out about discounted travel rates, personal service, and customized travel experiences at key religious sites. Call 877-538-0010 or visit travel.occatholic.com to learn more. That's 877-538-0010 or travel.occatholic.com.
1: And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. We've been talking today um, with Catholic Relief Services and two gentlemen who have dedicated uh, their lives to really helping improve the lives of people in their home nations so that just the simple necessities of running water, for example, can improve the lives of not only everyone in the village, but can actually lead to the empowerment of young women, children to be able to go to school, and get an education, and even start thinking in terms of doing something other than a lifetime of getting water that they have to boil in order to make sure it's drinkable. It's very, very Catholic. And I I wanted to ask you guys to talk for a moment about what that really entails for us as Catholics. What has it
3: entailed for you? It has to have been life-changing for you, personally. Well, that's, uh, like many people was formed in the Catholic Church but when I got overseas, particularly in, in, in Guatemala, um, really began to understand the gospel. I was walking with a nun across a field in, uh, rural Guatemala where there had been a lot of human rights violations. And she said, well, now you're really working in the vineyard and we are bringing the gospel, uh, to life. It gave me a different perspective on things. If, there was some way to have people witness the work of the local church overseas. The dedication, particularly of the, of the, the clergy and the nuns, the sacrifices they make, the hours they, they spend walking and, and caring for people. We couldn't be more proud to have them as, as partners. Uh, it's humbling, uh, to watch them in action. We really try to bring our faith to life in the, in these works of mercy, um, on a day to day basis. And, uh, that's what we, we have been privileged to witness. And again, I can't stress enough, it is in the name of the bishops. It is in, in the name of the American Catholic community. So all of us are, are in some way touching the lives of people, um, who
2: are in need. We've been, we've been, in the breaks, we've been talking about the word solidarity. And solidarity in the sense that, um, or, or the way that I understand it and the way I've learned to understand it in working with Catholic Relief Services is understanding that, that this idea that we are, we're more alike than we are different, that the suffering that happens anywhere in the world with anybody is spiritually understanding that that suffering is my suffering. Um, the suffering of a family, suffering of a girl, is the suffering of my family and suffering of my daughter. And that, I think, is what has been the most rewarding and transformational part of me for working with Catholic Relief Services in being able to be a part of this global Catholic community and our uh, American Catholic community to be able to help and provide and work together hand-in-hand with uh, Catholics overseas in in helping people in need.
1: Paul, you made a comment during another break that our listening audience didn't hear that. It really struck me. When you were talking about Afghanistan and the fact that you usually work in partnership with, Catholic churches, local Catholic churches, there are no local, well, very few Catholic churches in Afghanistan. And the question was, well, then why are you there? You made a comment. What did you say?
2: We looked at that as Catholic Relief Services. We said, you know, this is where we work with the church. And we we said, you know, should we be in Afghanistan? And the answer is, we are in Afghanistan because we're Catholic, not because they're Catholic. And that's it's the gospel of Jesus that motivates what we do and how we do it. And uh, and that, for me, was powerful. And, and for CRS to make that decision for Afghanistan is what motivated me to stay there for five years.
1: We were in Afghanistan not because they were Catholic, but because we are Catholic. Mm-hmm. That's right. That was the statement that you made that was just so pithy. It, it, just, it, it encapsulated it so well. Because Catholic Relief Services is not just for Catholics. It's by Catholics to the world in order to bring a tangible expression
2: of the gospel of Jesus Christ mm. to the people of the world. And that's evangelization as Pope Francis talks about evangelization. It's being Catholics in the world, being transformational by who we are.
1: If people wanted to get more information on how to be involved, and we've been, you guys have been very good about not pitching for money, and I get that. But if, if someone just happens to have a couple of million dollars they want to give you, I'm sure you take it. But if mm. people who don't have money but still would like to have more information how would they get that information?
3: I, the easiest thing to do is go to crs.org. We have a, um, a website as everyone has now these days, and there is a, there's just a wealth of information there, uh, on CRS. Something that is done, uh, as you know, every year, usually, uh, well, during Lent is, uh, the Rice Bowl, Operation Rice Bowl. That has, is a way for Catholics to really be in touch in a, in a very intimate way with CRS um, through contributions to that, there are ways to use time, talent, treasure. Um, the treasure, of course, is what keeps us keeps that presence that is so important to to us and our partners, uh, keeps us in these countries and working. But time given to looking at things like fair trade, or or organizing Rice Bowl, or uh, making people that you know aware of CRS in your local parish or local community. Traveling with us are, is is another option. These are all ways that, um, you know, people can be involved.
1: Paul, you're on the ground in El Salvador, and you're only here for a short time.
2: How would you want to see people be more involved? I got motivated and, and inspired to do this kind of work because uh, a Catholic parish in San Diego when I was a kid was going down to Tijuana um, and helping people and and seeing poverty and seeing what, what the change um, for people when you can help them with food and shelter. That was transformational for me. So I would love for people in their communities, wherever they are, Orange County, to get involved, really, you know, f- find ways. We we have people in Catholic Relief Services who are active on the diocesan level. We have parishes that are very, that work in partnership with us. And just throughout the network of the Catholic Church, there are wonderful th- ways for people to get involved. And so that's what I would made it, motivate people to do and find ways to live their faith by helping people in need in the communities where they are.
1: How long have you been with Catholic Relief Services now? 18 years. 18 years. So a local boy done good. <laughs> you came out of Southern California, you came out of San Diego, and you were inspired by just what your local parishes were doing in in the community close to us in Tijuana. <laughs> and that's what got you hooked on trying to work with people of need.
2: Missionaries of Charity, you know, their work in Tijuana was for me uh, transformational in terms of how I understood how we are as as Catholics in the world. What about you, Doug? I was
3: toiling away in a rural community in Costa Rica with the Peace Corps when this uh, kind of a portly guy drove up on a motorcycle and said he was with the Diocese of San Isidro and he was working with Catholic Relief Services to uh, expand uh, community gardens throughout the zone that I was working with, that I was assigned to as a Peace Corps volunteer. That's how I learned about CRS and the kind of work that it did. That was CRS from the capital, working with a local diocese and uh, out in poor communities doing agricultural work. That was my introduction to them many years ago. Many I won't, years ago. I won't tell ago. you oh, how long. Well, yeah.
1: uh, <laughs> well, you don't look much older than I am. <laughs> I, I guess my point here is that God has a plan, but you have to engage on your side as well. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, like what you did in, with your little trips to Mexico and what you were doing when you were with the Peace Corps, uh, opens ourselves up to God's work in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then when we respond to it, and when we respond to it, we can do wonderful things for people and bring the gospel in very tangible ways to the people who need it most, whether it's a, a water system or helping young women get to school, it's the ability for us to impact their lives so that people's lives are filled with hope. I want to thank you both very much for coming in today to talk to us about Catholic Relief Services and some of the wonderful things that they're doing in in Central America, where you're at right now, and throughout the world, where, um, whether they're Catholic or not Catholic, it's about us Catholics bringing the presence of Christ. And gentlemen, I want to thank you for your services. You've done... you've not all us Catholics proud, and I'm very glad that we're able to be represented uh, on the world stage by people like yourselves. And I know you represent people, there's many, many, many who are a lot like you, who mm. are out there doing this work, either above you or most of them working in the, in the local communities to be able to um, bring about that empowerment. So thank you so very, very much. Which one of you would like to pray for... Um, all of us in responding to the needs of christ on our way out
3: let's put ourselves in the into the presence of god the holy spirit moves us um, to understand to speak and ultimately to act in god's name to the benefit of the poor and to those around us who are in need we ask god that you infuse us with his with with your spirit and make it possible for us to act in each day in a way that is helpful to others and to do so cheerfully and with kindness in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: In the name of the father and of the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Wow. Well gentlemen, I want to thank you again for being with us. You have been listening to orange County Catholic radio with me today has been Doug Ryan and Paul Hicks, Uh, Doug has been out there in the trenches uh, abroad and now is here and does most of your current work here in the United States. And uh, Paul has been up here uh, briefly and is going back to El Salvador. Thank you, gentlemen, for spending your time with us. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and once again, on behalf of all of us at Orange County Catholic Radio, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.
4: The passing of a loved one is a difficult and often sorrowful step in life's journey. The helpful and supportive staff at the Cathedral Memorial Garden Cemetery, located on the 34-acre iconic Christ Cathedral campus in the center of Orange County, are here to assist you and your family through this transition. The more than one-acre Cathedral Memorial Gardens is unique in Orange County, offering a central location, serene garden-like grounds, majestic fountains, and a dramatic statuary, all set within the soaring architectural gems of the the Christ Cathedral campus. Cathedral Memorial Gardens now has beautiful glass front niches. Single, companion, and family four spaces are now available with interior LED lighting with decorative trim that will display your loved one's urn with dignity forever. For more information, please visit memorialgardens.christcathedralcalifornia.org or contact 714-489-6102. 714-489-6102.